Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. So it is 8.16 in the a.m. And I've been up some time now doing my morning routine. And something is on my heart to really talk about. So I'm not in my normal setup of um, sitting in front of my co- my computer, recording the video, none of the things, right? So this is going to just be strictly audio. But we need to talk about something. And um, what I want you all to do is really listen. Listen to what I'm getting ready to share with you. Because this thing could potentially save you a lot of time, a lot of energy. Um, and you may not feel the the effects of it right away. You may even try to fight it, but ultimately it will, right? What I've noticed over the last three to four years is that there's a thing um, that is pretty common, pretty common among people who hold MSW degrees or who are either aspiring to get them, right? Of course, there are the outliers, the people who fell into this profession by, you know, um, mistake ultimately. It wasn't their first pick, right? Believe it or not, a lot of, a lot of people are social workers or MSW degree holders, not because they chose to do that. It was because they had no other options or were not successful in other majors. That's just a known fact. I did a um, poll about that one year on my Instagram page and there was an overwhelmingly high number of people who said, yeah, I wanted to major in psychology. I wanted to do nursing and fail and fail. So I had no other option. I had to come to social work, right? So I'm saying that to say that this even applies to them because I've seen it in some people, right? I sit and observe a lot, right? I don't say a lot, but I see a lot. Um, I also talk to a lot of MSW degree holders. And one of the things that I have noticed is a running theme is that you all naturally overwork yourself, right? So let's go ahead and set aside the fact that we know that case management jobs um, overwork you severely, right? Overwork you, undervalue you, underpay you. We understand that. That is a fact. There's no way to debate that. That is the thing, right? Um, but let's set that aside. And I really want you to do a, a self-evaluation of are you guilty of overworking yourself outside of your job, right? So we're talking about not during the nine to five day. Are you overworking yourself in the personal areas of your life? And a large percentage of you will say yes, right? So what I see is that many of you are just doing way too much, right? Be it 
an aspiring MSW degree holder, be it a current student, be it an early career professional, be it you a mid-career professional, you've been doing this 5, 10 plus years, be it OG, you've been doing it longer than 20 years. Heck, you may even be a retiree, right? Because I see it also in retirees. Many of you just plain outwork yourself, overwork yourself, excuse me, just naturally, right? Yes, a lot of people come and ask you to do the thing and you volunteer for it, but a lot of y'all, and let's call a thing a thing, a lot of y'all go out and find these things to do, right? A lot of you all just naturally overextend yourself, right? So, be it you are the strong friend in your circle, be it you are the uh, matriarch of your families. And I'm I'm talking about women because that's the highest percentage of who follows my work. But if you identify as other, insert your title, right? Many of you are the leaders of your families. Many of you are the go-to persons in your community. And a lot of you have put yourselves in those roles. One of the thing, one of the other things that I noticed is that you all call yourself multi-passionate. What's the word somebody used the other day? And I've heard it before, multi-hyphenate, all of the things, right? Uh under the guise of saying that you do a bunch of things because you are just interested in them. But my question comes in from this angle. If you are multi-passionate and you're doing all of these different unrelated things, right, because you're just interested in it, why did you then turn those passions into things that you are either teaching others to do, serving others to do? The best way I can explain it is why did you then turn it into like case management work where you're serving others with the thing, right? Is it still that you're multi-passionate? Or is it because you are just trying to overwork yourself, right? It's a difference. Let me give some examples, right? It's a difference between me enjoying gardening and enjoying reading. So I read a bunch of books and being a career coach. It's a difference between me just naturally enjoying those first two things in my personal life. But the problem for me is when I then see, when I then take my joy for gardening and start teaching people in my community how to garden. And then I take my joy for reading and then I start teaching, hosting book club events on top of my job of being a career coach. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what I see with y'all, right? It's not that you multi-passionate because it brings you joy to do these things. You then go and take these things and you serve the people with it. Right. That is how you're overworking yourself. It's like you naturally in your mind turn everything into a job. Ha! That's that's the way to explain it. Like there's a problem when you take the things that you enjoy 
and feel compelled to turn it into a job where you serve and teach it to others. Because when you monetize anything on some level, the enjoyment of doing the thing will die out, right? And so my question is, what is going on that makes you feel that everything that you have has to be used to give, to case manage, right? Because you all know what that term, case manage others with, right? Because when I see you do it, I just see that the fact that you are overworking yourself naturally. I, I see that you're overworking yourself, right? No one asked you. <laughs> no one even told you. But you're just doing it naturally. And so go a little deeper because, hey, I'm the career coach. From the outside looking in, the trained eye, when I see y'all do that or hear the stories because you're telling me, my instant thought is you are confused. You may not see it as that, but I see it as that. When you are doing a thousand, because again, we're talking about the fact that you've taken these things and you've now turned it into a job outside of your real job, right? You're, you're now using the thing to case manage, to teach people, to support people, to advocate for people. It has gone from a personal interest, a personal love to you have turned it into a job where you're now on committees, you have programs, you offering services, you are doing it informally, you are coaching people, giving people clinical therapy, you know, even though you are outside of the parameters of your nine to five. That, that, that is concerning to me, especially when the things are so unrelated, right? Come to me anytime in the day. I'm going to be talking about how to get a job, right? You're not going to come on my platform and I'm going to be teaching you how to start a garden. That's not my area. I always say that's not my area of expertise. I'm very clear about staying in my lane, right? But what I notice is that a lot of social workers don't stay in their lane. They want to do this. <laughs> and again, it's the difference between doing it in your personal life and then turning it professional, turning it into a job. They want to do this. They want to do that. They want to do this. They want to do that. And they want to teach the people. It's confusing just looking at it. But my main concern is how are you doing as a human when you're doing all of that? Because... One thing that I've been talking about a lot is the fact of you should be aiming for self-preservation. Your minutes, your energy, your time is valuable. You never get these minutes back. You never get them back. Right. So if you are spending every waking minute, right, we again, we know we, we have the job over there, your your real job. But then in your free time, you still a case managing people. I know that ain't a term, but you get what I'm saying. You still a case managing people. When does that leave time for you? If you turn everything in your personal life that brings you enjoyment, that brings you pleasure, 
if you turn it into uh how can I make others people's lives better? <laughs> when does that leave time for you? All right? And if you are don't feel like you are worthy enough to even have time of your own because ultimately it all boils down to like some deeper things that are going on. All right? I can just talk about from a real world aspect. It, it may be that you are a people pleaser. It may be that you don't don't understand the value that you possess, right? Self-love is huge, right? But I, I, I'm not clinical, right? I just talk from real world experiences. But I say that to say that I challenge you this year to go figure out why you do that. <laughs> so that may look like, you going to get a therapist because you're the strong friend and people always come to you, but you need to go talk to somebody too, right? So that applies to my clinical therapist. Clinical therapists need therapists. Non-clinical social workers need therapists, right? Because I see a lot and I'm just like, huh, I wonder what is going on there, why are they doing that? Because it ain't got nothing to do with a job. <laughs> it's something way deeper than that. So I challenge you in 2024 to figure out why and start actively working on self-preservation. Because my question is, how long can you keep going at that rate? How how long can you go? I know you're tired. I don't even need to talk to you. I know you're tired. I know you're tired. Right? How long? How much longer do you have in you to keep going? And if you're not tired, another thing that I think about, and this is for my ones who are still early in their career, because when you early in your career and you ain't experienced a whole lot in, in these jobs, a lot of you are going full speed ahead. What I'm hoping with these conversations is that I teach you through experiences the importance of pacing yourself. I see so many social workers that are literally doing 101 things. In addition to working, 101, and I'm just like, my God, if they just slow down, it's like y'all, it's like y'all in a race, in a race to nowhere. And then when I ask you, well, did it, did it, did it yield you the result that you wanted? What, what happened at the end of the year? Did you, did you meet the goal? And you're like, No. Like, because when I talk about goal, I'm talking about income goal. Did you meet the income goal? Did you Did you get it? And I'm like, no. So why did you do all thousand and one things? Pace yourself. You only get one life. You only get one life. And when you doing all of the things, there's something much deeper going on. People, people are always like, oh, work-life balance. That's not a real thing. That's not a real thing, right? But there is such a thing called cutting off the switch. Turn off the switch. That's what I say. 
right? Because I could only talk in real world terms. Turn off the switch. When you are at work, the switch goes on. When you clock out of work, the switch goes off. Now that's when you go and do the things that you enjoy and you do it for yourself. You don't turn it into a case management thing. You don't turn it into a job. You do it for enjoyment. Right? That's why I always say it. And I've been saying it since I got on the scene in 2020. Social workers need boundaries too. See, the problem is many of y'all don't have no boundaries. And it's not because your employer has blurred them. It's because you have blurred them. So this is why you feel guilt when you take leave from work. This is why you feel guilt when you are off for work. So you you feel guilty for resting. You feel guilty for prioritizing yourself. So you go in and you look at your work email. You log in on the app in your phone. When I told you three years ago, take the app off your phone, right? This is why you um, go into the office after hours on the weekends or log in and do work when you ain't being compensated, right? This is why. This is why when you are not at work, you overcommit yourself or you just go out and find things to do, right? Or you create all of these side projects for yourself. Because you at the core are feeling guilty for not doing anything. Even though you have worked 40 plus hours on your job during the week. That is a much deeper thing. There's no rule that says social workers are supposed to work 24-7. This is why many of you, and someone just shared this with me yesterday. This is why many of you have multiple, multiple, multiple jobs, even when you don't need them. I talked to someone yesterday. She said she real, and I'm in my mentorship community, and I can share this. And my mentorship community of social workers shared because we did an evaluation of um, the career of of your career in 2023. Um, ultimately what I had my mentees do is evaluate what things, what moves did they make in their career last year, um, that yielded them good results and that maybe didn't work out so well. And one of the members shared that she realized that she had started working with four private practice firms, four, in addition to her full-time job. Right. In addition to her, yeah, her full time job. And she was like, she got to the point where she was like, why am I even working all of these? Why am I even doing it? And she said she immediately stopped. She said, because when she looked up, when she looked around, she was working with four private. It was four, four private practice firms. But she didn't even know why she was doing it. And so my question back to her was, did you hit your income goal? And she was like, no. Right. That things like that. Right. Because many of you on with your um, conscious mind are saying, like, I'm doing these things 
to either make more money or to get where I want to be. But ultimately, in the end, it ain't doing none of the things, right? You ain't making no more money. You actually, if you probably sit down and run your numbers, you probably are wasting money. You probably are burning money. It's probably costing you more money in 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 time to do all of the things than what you're actually bringing in, right? Um, it may be costing you more. It just may be, right? So this is where you have to do sit down and run your numbers. Also, that's the other thing is that many of you don't know the number. Many of you don't know the freedom number. Many of you don't know what it really takes to get the job that you really want, right? And so this is the premise of this whole conversation. When I see people doing all of the things, that is an indication to me that you are confused. Also, what I want to say is when you are doing all of the things in your personal life and in your professional life, you are not giving yourself enough time to become really good at one thing. If you pay attention to people, people that you hold in high regard, like high, high regard, people who are viewed by their peers, not by their own label, but by their peers and their colleagues and other experts in the industry, people who are viewed as experts, they usually are really good at one thing. Let's give an example. They are really good at teaching people how to build gardens. They are not known for teaching people how to um, start bakeries, teaching people how to start farms, teaching people how to build cars. They are really good for teaching people how to start gardens. I say that to say that many of you are doing way too much and you are not focusing enough on one thing to become really, really good at it. You ain't. All right. And so because you are stretched thin and you're doing all of the things, you don't have the energy to even do quality work, right? Because when you have stretched yourself to five different things, quality is quickly diminishing because you're focused on quantity, especially when there is only one you, right? And especially because you are doing five different things. So my word of encouragement, I hope this message comes across the way that I want it to, because I'm really just talking to y'all right now. My 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 one word of encouragement is slow down. A few words. Take what you need. Put it in your pocket, right? Because I have to talk to many different people at different stages in their life, right? So depending on where you are, my words of encouragement are slow down, pace yourself. Self-preservation is key um, in order to become an expert or to become really, really good at a thing. You need to focus on one thing, not five. The failures that you you had last year may be a result of the fact that you were just doing way too much. Um, you are confusing the people. Insert people. 
If your aim is to do all of these things to get better jobs, you confusing employers. Right? But deeper than that, you confusing yourself. <laughs> you confusing yourself. My hope is in 2024 that you all get okay with knowing that you can just focus on you, one, and two, you understand the importance of quality versus quantity. Um, I'm going to say this for me. I can't speak for the rest of the world. I'm not impressed I'm just, I'm going to be real honest. I'm not impressed when um I read people's um bio sketch and they have like 50,000 affiliations, 50,000 credentials and letters after their name, 50,000 committees and roles that they're a part of, 50 and I say fifty thousand, right? But I even I even mean that it's more than five. I'm not impressed. Actually, people like that give me instant red flags. Instant red flags, right? Yeah, I know. I understand they're overachievers, but when I see that, that screams. I'm not gonna tell you what it screams, but that's just from twenty plus years of studying the thing, right? Because in my experience, people with those long resumes. Are people that have some much deeper work to do. They will never tell you that. They will never let you see that. But those are the ones who are who are breaking down behind the scenes. And I don't aspire to do any of that. So when I see it, I don't get motivated. <laughs> I actually get I actually give you the side eye. Like, please stay far away from me because I don't want none of what you got to jump on me. Because I love me. And I understand that these minutes that I have, are my, I won't ever get them again. These 26 minutes and six seconds that I just spent with y'all on this podcast, I will never get those minutes back. So I don't aspire to be everything and be all the things to everybody else. Because when you're doing all of that, that's you trying to just prove to be worthy to people. That doesn't move me, right? I love to spend my time, my minutes, my energy on intentional things that bring me joy. So, yeah, I spent 26 minutes and six seconds. I'm now at 41 seconds on here talking to y'all. But this brings me joy because it was on my heart to talk about it, my mind. So that meant that I was supposed to talk about it. Right. Not because I felt like I had to do it to be seen by people. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. But yeah, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. You are enough. Oh, I want to say this also. I don't know. Oh, I did talk about therapy. Go talk to somebody. Go talk to somebody. And this is another reason why I help people get good quality, good paying jobs. Because I know the reality of when you work in a case management job that's paying you less than $40,000 a year, you ain't got no money to go talk to nobody. 
right? That's not lost on me. I know that firsthand. That's why I said when I started therapy last year, I couldn't do that as a case manager. Well, I started therapy off and on when I got my first macro job. But prior to that, I could never do that. With $37,100? What? Being a self-payer? Ain't no way. Not what I pay for therapy. Right? But if you are in a place to do it, do it. That's something that I wish... Um, now, that is something that I wish social workers would do. Y'all get on the barter system. If you find a social, y'all y'all love to talk about things to build your resume and all the things, and the stuff don't even work, so I'm not going to go on attention to that. But start bartering systems. Provide each other with clinical therapy, with therapeutic service. You know, not therapy, so therapist, clinical, I don't know the terms. But start providing each other with services like on a barter system because the truth be told now, because I have very intimate conversations with social workers, there are so clinical social workers out there who cannot afford therapy for themselves, right? So won't won't y'all start a bartering system with your colleagues, the ones that you really, really trust, Right. Or maybe you don't know, you know, because therapy is is more effective when you don't know the person. Find a person that you don't know that lives in a completely different state. Like that, these are the things I would like to see. Instead of y'all sitting on them those I hate social work pages and just, you know, going to town in the comments. Won't y'all start a, a therapeutic, again, I'm using the words wrong, but a therapeutic like barter exchange for services. Because a lot of y'all colleagues out here that are struggling. Struggling. And y'all know I'm not clinical, but if I see it, if I hear it, if they verbally tell me, it's a lot of y'all colleagues out here struggling. Why don't y'all start something like that? Support one another in a way that is beneficial to the whole, you know, community. Just my thoughts. Take take from it what you want. But, yeah, let me go. Because <laughs> I got to get ready for church. Sitting over here full line with y'all. But, yeah, self-preservation, okay? Take care of yourself. Happy macro career planning. Bye.